All right, good morning, everybody. Good to be in church. Good to see all of you. And I hope your week has been well. Hope you've enjoyed uh, the conference. And um, it's just a blessing to be able to be in God's house. It's all, it always is. If you got your Bibles, um, let's go to Joshua chapter 2. Just before I get into things here this morning as I'm getting myself organized here, um, just wanted to again say thank you to everybody here at the church for your hospitality and pastor for the invitation to come and preach. And it's just great to see uh, everybody here again at the church and, and see that everybody's doing well and the church is doing well. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, I pray for this church, I pray for my pastor every day, and I know you pray for your missionaries, and I appreciate that, and we need that, and we feel those prayers, but uh, I pray for you guys every day as well, and uh, I'm praying that God is going to continue to do what he's done here over the many years, and that he continues to do even more, and um, I pray God's richest blessing upon this place, because this valley needs it, and this country needs it. We need strong churches. We need strong Christians. And um, I, I just pray that this, this place is a birthplace for all of those things. So Joshua chapter 2 is where we'll be getting eventually. But just to give you a little bit of background on what we're going to get into this morning, uh, it had been a long time since they had been in Canaan. And the last time, as a matter of fact, uh, was when Moses sent 12 spies out uh, to spy the land. And that particular mission didn't go uh, so well. As a result, the, the Israelites were forced to wander in the desert for many, many years, for 40 years, and, and many, until many people had passed away. Now, uh, two of those original spies have gotten much, much older. And Joshua one of those, he's no longer a spy. He is the general in charge of leading God's people to the promised land. And here, uh, Joshua, because he's got a little background in espionage, he's going he's gonna to go ahead and, and do what he did so many years before, and he sends two spies secretly uh, to go check out the area, but especially to go check out Jericho. And you know, Jericho is one of the most important cities in the region of Canaan that they were going to be conquering. It was a strategic city for Joshua's plan to, to conquer all of the land. Why? Because it, uh, it, it was situated kind of in the middle. And it would serve as a point for him to conquer and to be able to divide Canaan and conquer it a little bit more easily. And so the two men were sent out, these two new spies, they were sent out on their mission. And when they get to Jericho, they try to, to find a place that will allow them to remain a little bit unnoticed, as a spy probably would want to do. A place where they can blend in. A place where they can uh, be unnoticed. Preferably a dark place, 
a place where not everyone would go, but where they can gather information and intel that they're looking for. And that's when they find Rahab's place. You know, Rahab lived uh, on the outskirts of town. Uh, In fact, she lived in the wall of the city. Her her place was not a place that was visited by many, and and really, in fact, only the dregs of society, can we say, were the people that went to her place. But Rahab was not your typical seedy woman. She was, a, she was a woman of faith. And such faith that she is, she is one of only two women that are listed in the great chapter of faith, which is Hebrews chapter 11. And as a person of faith, uh, she was forced to do something that was a little bit uncomfortable, but not uncommon. She had to walk in the shadows. And that's the title of the message this morning is, is Walking in the Shadows. You know, there's a, a place in Medellin, Colombia, where we work, a particular part of the city where we would have Bible studies. And it's not one of the greatest areas of town, but it's a very unique place. And to get there, it's quite a, quite a journey. You've got to catch the train, and you've got to go to the end of the line. Then you've got to catch a bus. You've got to get on that bus, and you've got to really take the bus as far as it will go. And then you get off the bus, and you've got to walk quite a ways to get where we would have our Bible studies. And when I would, uh, when I would go up there, and I was just recently there as well, when I would go up there, my friend who would offer his home where we could have the Bible study, he would meet me right there where the bus stopped and basically turned around and went back into uh, the center of town. And it was necessary really for me to meet him because it's just kind of the place where I just didn't want to be walking around by myself. And we had these Bible studies at night, and even more so, I didn't want to be by myself in that kind of a place in that kind of a neighborhood, and so he would meet me. He was from there and lived there, and so as long as I was with him, I felt a lot more comfortable, and uh, I would just kind of follow him from that point on, and you know, the the city, how it's built back in those uh, barrios, they call it a neighborhood, is, is interesting. There's no streets or sidewalks like you can imagine maybe a neighborhood being here but it's all just like uh, pathways and corridors and stairways that go up and down and small bridges that you cross and he would lead us uh, he would lead me down this path and this big long set of stairs and then you kind of weave along this path and you cross a bridge and you go up steps and all the time because it's night but there's lights because of the neighborhood. You're, you're just constantly coming in and out of shadows. And even if you go in that kind of an area in the daytime, there's just constantly shadows because the buildings along the pathways that you walk are three to four stories tall, and so it's not a lot of direct sunlight in those particular areas. And uh, sometimes you, 
would get, especially at night, to, to, to parts in the pathway where you could go right or you could go left to, or you would turn a certain way and all of a sudden the, the shadowy path became just a dark path because there's absolutely no light and I can barely see the person in front of me that I'm following. But I would follow him because I knew that he knew where he was going. And you know, walking by faith is like walking in the shadows. Uh, it's oftentimes uncertain. And it often and always requires us to trust in God. And so, wanted to talk to you briefly here this morning about walking in the shadows, or you might say walking by faith. But before we continue, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just come before you this morning and uh, Lord we came here to hear from you we came here um, because we need you we came here because we want to grow God I pray for each individual each family each young person that's here today God that that you would um, minister to their hearts your Holy Spirit has that job and responsibility and we pray that you'd let him loose this morning, and God, that you would do the work that you want to do in every single heart and life, and God, you would challenge us, because you don't want us to be comfortable in this Christian life, you want us to continually push ourselves out into the realms of faith where we're having to trust you more and step further out and rely upon you more, and we ask God that you would do that in our lives. I also pray that you'd help me uh, to have a clear mind and uh, be able to speak and communicate clearly and not get in the way, Lord. Uh, you're the one. You're the one that we need. We pray for your presence here today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Walking in the shadows, the story of Rahab, the story of the two spies, it's an interesting one, and it's kind of a unique one because we see Rahab and we see these things that she, she has to do uh, along this journey when these two spies come in, and it's really pretty uncomfortable. It's really kind of awkward, some of the decisions that she has to make, and it reminds me of walking down some of those paths. I couldn't always see where to go. I couldn't always know if it was this way or that way. And I couldn't always see what was directly in front of me. But I was trusting the person that I was following. And we see that's what Rahab did as well. Through this journey, through these precarious turns and stairways and pathways and darkness that she had to cross and move through, she did it because she was trusting in God. And the first thing that we see is that she let them in. She let them in. We'll read the verse where this comes from in a minute, but you know, when I was about 12, something happened at my house that I won't get into all of the details about, but uh, my brother and a bunch of his friends were there. I was there with a friend as well, but my parents weren't there. And, uh, you know, my brother was kind of hanging out with his buddies, and I was hanging out with 
my friends as well, and, and, and we were just, you know, hanging out at the house, having a good time, not doing anything uh, wrong, necessarily. And then all of a sudden, a car pulls up in front, and about three or four high school, older high school age young men, one of them looked like he was even older than high school, I would say that at the time because he had a beard, not many high schoolers have beards, but there are a few. And so these guys got out of the car, and I didn't know what to think. I didn't know who they were. I didn't recognize the car, but one of them had a baseball bat. And the closer they got to the house, I began to read the expressions from the inside of the house on their faces, looking out at the window at them, uh, that they were not pleased. And I had no idea what was going on. And next thing you know, they're right there close to the, the window at the front of our house, and, and the one guy is visibly angry and trembling, and he's the one with the baseball bat, and I'm thinking, well, this is not good. <laughs> this is not good at all. And they're calling out for my brother, and my brother is in the house, and I'm a little kid, right, and I don't know what to do. I'm afraid that if I don't let them in, because they want in and they want to see my brother, that they're going to they're gonna do some major damage and put, put, potentially hurt me. But I'm also afraid that if I do let them in, they're going to do the exact same thing. And you know, I didn't want to let them in. Something similar happened here with Rahab. Let's read Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab, and they lodged there. Now Rahab, she, she was a, a Canaanite. She was local to Jericho, and, and the Bible says here that she was a harlot. That means, uh, and my wife uh, was mentioning this to me the other day, or, or yesterday, that, uh, that most every people know, most everyone knows what a harlot is, but that's not true. A harlot is, is, an, is an older term that's used for a prostitute, and a prostitute now, just as then, means that it, she was somebody that uh, slept with other people who were not her husband in exchange for payment. That's who Rahab was. That's what she did for a living. That's how she sustained herself. And it says that they went to Rahab's house, and it says uh, that they lodged there. Now, it doesn't say they went there for any wrong reason or any uh, any reason that would have to do with what she did for a living specifically. But they were looking for refuge. They were looking for harbor. They were looking for a place to stay. And you got to think about this and put yourself in, in Rahab's shoes. She made a very risky decision that day. Now, I know she wasn't necessarily uh, an upstanding citizen. She was a harlot. The Bible says that, and the Bible clarifies that in the New Testament as well. But she made a decision that day to let these two men in. 
These weren't just any two men. These were two enemies of Jericho. She decided that day to give refuge to two enemies during a time of war. And she did it based on something specific. Now, just imagine that you did that today, right? We've got a lot of talk about Russia and Ukraine and China and North Korea and, 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 and Iran and Venezuela and, and, and all of these different places that are potential enemies of America. And just imagine if you got a knock on the door and it was two spies from one of these places and you knew who they were and you knew what they were doing and they asked you for help. What would you do? So she made a risky decision. She let them in. But she let them in based on something specific and she, she let them in based upon who their God was. She let them in uh, based upon who they were. They were ambassadors of this God. They were ambassadors of the people of this God. And so based upon that and based upon what she had heard that they had already accomplished, she let them in. And so she made a choice. She took a risk. And she put her faith in this God, in their God, and in what He was capable of doing. And she was hoping that because she let them in, that perhaps this same God might overlook who she was, what she did, and where she lived, and the people she was a part of, and maybe He might just have mercy on her. But she did it by faith. She did it by faith. And you know, living a life of faith places you many, many times in uncomfortable situations. But if we live by faith, if we choose faith, we will never fail. And God wants us to trust Him because He wants us to succeed. He doesn't want us to fail either. And Rahab let them in that day. And that was the first step towards her success. She trusted the God of Jehovah. She trusted the stories that she had heard about the God of Jehovah and his armies and his people. And she's decided, I'm going to let them in. I know what this might look like to my neighbors and to my community. But I'm going to go ahead and trust God on this one. And so, Christian, let me challenge you this morning to live by faith, even though it might put you in an uncomfortable situation. Let me say that if you, as a Christian here this morning, are completely comfortable with everything that's in your life, going on in your life, every situation, everything in your family, everything in your ministry, if everything is just perfect, and comfortable that you're kind of probably not out there on the edge. You're probably not living by faith as you could be or as you should be. God wants us to be 
challenging ourselves in every moment and in everything that we do. God wants us to live by faith. And Rahab that day took a risky decision. And she let them in. Secondly, she lied to the king's men. She lied to the king's men. You know, living as a foreigner in a foreign land is its pretty much impossible to hide your true identity. You can't really do it. Now, I, in Colombia, and this is, you know, God does what he does, and he knows what he does, and he does it with a purpose and a reason, but I can't count how many times people have looked at me and asked me in Colombia if I was Colombian. My mom's Mexican, full Mexican, and so that apparently gives me an appearance that, that makes me look as if I could pass as a Colombian, and many people ask me that. And if I dress a little bit differently, because the dress is a little bit different down there, not completely different. It's a Western society, just like we have here. But they have a little bit of uh, differences in the way that in the way that they dress. If I if I dress like them and I look like them, I can pretty much go wherever, and nobody will give me a second glance. If I'm with my wife or my daughters, that's completely different. And all of a sudden, I become a star. I, I, I feel what it's like to be famous. That's what it's like for them. Wherever they walk, they, they draw attention because they look different. But you know, there's one thing that um, always gives you away. Always gives you away. And it's, it's in the Bible, too. We read about these kinds of situations. And it's happening in the Bible as well. It's when you speak. And I had to tell you, I have busted my tail with the language. And I have studied, and I have worked, and I have practiced. And I would say for, the first, for the, probably the first term on the mission field, that was my sole focus. But you just can't, you just can't fool them. You just can't fool them. And I speak pretty good Spanish. And, you know, I love it when I'm in the States because they... People are like, wow, you speak amazing Spanish. Oh, my word, where, where did you, are, are you, I've even had, I was at the fair one time and somebody heard me speak Spanish. I was helping a Mexican family with something and they're like, are you, are you Colombian? But the minute I speak Spanish in Colombia, I mean two or three words, where are you from? <laughs> Just like it is with us, right? You know when somebody is not a native English speaker. It only takes one or two words. It's very hard to hide who you are and to hide your true identity. But she, Rahab, she lied to the king's men. And I know that she lied in various ways here, but specifically because of that. Let's read Joshua chapter 2, verses 2 through 6. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. So no, word had spread. Somehow the king finds out. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. Lie number one. 
I'll tell you what, as foreigners, she would have known exactly that they weren't from Jericho after they spoke a few words to her. But she says here, I, I, I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. Lie number two. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she laid, had laid in order upon the roof. So the king of Jericho gets, gets wind of, of their presence in her house. Imagine that. If you had done what she had done today, and all of a sudden you get the knock at the door, you look outside, SWAT teams out there, CIAs out there, you got people rappelling and breaking through your front window. We know you've got spies in here. You will not harbor them for any longer. Tell us right now where they are and will leave you in peace. And so he found out exactly what was going on, the king, and he sent some people over to that house. And no doubt the king was thinking because the king was about to be attacked. Jericho was about to be conquered and they knew it. And the king was no doubt thinking that if he could capture these two spies, he, he might be able to use them as leverage towards what was coming. Uh, he might be able to negotiate peace for his city away from the coming destruction. Maybe, maybe Jericho could be a community of slaves for the Israelites. If they would only just spare the lives of everybody in the community, they would do anything and everything that the Israelites wanted. And maybe he could negotiate something like that if he had those two spies in his, in his custody. And when the king's men arrived at her house, she lied to them. I wist not whence they were. They took off. Go. If you hurry, you might catch them. And when she did that, you know what she was risking? She was risking charges of treason. Treason is a serious thing. Treason is when you go against the security and well-being of your own nation. She was risking charges of treason and even death. You know uh, what they used to do to traitors even in this country not that long ago. Imagine in Bible times when somebody was caught for being a traitor, for giving help and refuge to the enemy, and especially during a time of war. So she put her life at risk, but she did it by faith. She did it by faith because she was remembering who these men were who these men represented who the nation uh, who the nation that they were from was and who their god was and to her that was more important than the potential treason to her that was more important than potentially being strung up and tortured as a traitor she was willing to roll the dice and you know living a life of faith challenges you to make personal sacrifices. And we will never fail if we trust God. We will never fail if we choose to trust God by faith, even if it includes and up to personal sacrifices. Christian, let me, let me challenge you once again. Your Christian life 
should be lived by faith. You should be out in front. You should be out on the edge. You should be always challenging yourself with what God wants for you and where and what He wants you to do and say. Because living a life of faith challenges you to make personal sacrifices. If that doesn't characterize your Christian life today, let me just say that you're probably not living by faith. So Rahab, she lied to the king's men. Rahab let them into her home in a time of war. Enemies. And she acted also in secret. She acted in secret. She had to. Because if she didn't, boy, there was going to be trouble. And it reminds me of a time when uh, a friend of mine in Colombia, he came up to me and he asked me, hey, we need to make a visit. There's some, some people that I've been witnessing to, some some ladies, some sisters that I've been witnessing to, and I've been making some progress with them, and, and they're interested in hearing more. And I told them, hey, maybe me and my pastor can come and visit you. And they were interested, and they said, okay. So we scheduled the visit, and we were going to go over to where they lived and sit down with them and, and try and talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ and hopefully win them and, and see them saved. But right at the last minute, <laughs> he started getting a little cold feet. I guess maybe I did too. But why? Because uh, these two women uh, were prostitutes, two sisters. And everybody in the community knew where they lived. And everybody in the community knew that those that went where they lived were going for a particular reason. And so uh, we talked about it, and he talked about it, and he's like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should wait. Maybe we should plan this a little differently. But the Lord just worked it out. And so we were walking and, 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 and walking in the shadows and making turns and going down corridors, and we get finally to where there's this long pathway in between these tall buildings. And the pathway was lit up with like this red light. Like their outside light was red. And it just made it feel even worse. <laughs> I mean, it, it really felt like we were not going to a good place. And sometimes there's just things that happen in your life that God allows to happen in your life. And sometimes you just wish things like those uh, could remain secret. And Diego, my friend, he wanted, to, he wanted to be able to do this in secret, but there was no way to do it because everybody knew uh, what was at that place. Long story short, we went there and, and witnessed to them, and both of the ladies ended up getting saved. And so praise the Lord for that. But there was a time in Rahab's life in this whole process where she also Boy, she was really dependent on keeping things a secret. Let's read Joshua chapter 2, verse 14. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if you utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. 
Now, she had to keep the secret. She had to keep it a secret that Israel had sent these two spies to size up their next victims. She had to keep it a secret about the coming destruction of Jericho. She had to keep it a secret about all the people in her community that were going to be killed. She had to keep that a secret. Man, of all the secrets you got to keep, that'd be a tough one. And once Israel had entered into the land, she had, to, she had to inconspicuously gather her entire family, this was part of the deal, into the house, and she had to hang a scarlet cord out a window where it would be visible to the Israelites so that they would spare her and her family. And Rahab and her entire family's lives depended upon her being able to keep all of that information confidential some of you have been privy to some information sometimes and after you hear it you're just like oh my word how how am I going to keep this from everybody how am I going to keep this from anybody how am I going to keep this from my wife sometimes you hear stuff you need to keep it confidential from absolutely everybody but it's the kind of news that's just going to break something wide open it's tough to keep that stuff a secret Imagine this secret that Rahab had to keep, the the community, her society, her complete country and countrymen, they were all going to be destroyed. How do you keep that a secret? Well, she kept it a secret by faith. She kept it a secret by faith because her life depended on it. She kept it a secret by faith because her entire family's life depended on it. And living a life of faith can affect your family. It will affect your family. And some of us don't like that. We want to keep control of our family. We want to hold the reins when it comes to our family. Maybe we'll surrender our lives to God and maybe we'll give our future to God. But boy, when it comes to our spouse, when it comes to our children, when it comes to our grandchildren, no, no, that's off limits. Living a life of faith can and will affect your family. But listen, we will never fail if we trust God. If we entrust into God's hands our family. That's what Rahab did. By faith. A really pretty risky faith and situation that she had. Man, she was potentially going to lose it all. How many of you have had to make a decision in your life where literally your life and your family's life were at stake? but you chose faith anyway. That's what Rahab does here. You know, Rahab had put in, been put in a very uncomfortable situation. A place where on one hand she felt despair and all alone, but on the other hand there was hope and promise. She could easily retreat into the arms of her countrymen. She could have done that during this whole experience. Signaled out the spies, look, here they are. Do what you can with them. Maybe we can beat these Israelites after all. She could have done that and retreated into the arms of her king and her countrymen. 
But if she did that, she would risk falling into the hands of an angry God. She chose to walk by faith. And because she chose to walk by faith, you know what? Her name is forever etched in eternity. We look at her, we look at those situations, we look at the options that she had and what she chose to do, and we admire her, we look up to her. But God has put some of you in those same situations, in those same circumstances, and you scoff at the idea of choosing faith. The Bible says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. God wants us to walk in the shadows. It's, it's uncomfortable. You can't always see what's in front. You don't always know where to go. You've got to trust that person who's leading you. But I'm telling you, when you live by faith, that's where the sparks fly. That's what God wants for everyone. But you've got to be filled with the Spirit like we heard from Brother Garcia this morning. Faith is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And that's what God wants and that's where God wants each and every one of us to live. In the realm of faith. You know, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the evidence of things unseen. Let's go there real quick. I'm messing it up. I'm quoting it incorrectly. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So many Christians never get out of that. Never get out of this idea of living where they can see, where they can be sure, where they can be certain about everything because they can see it and they can touch it and they can control it. But that's not faith. Like it says here, it's the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. And you know, the Bible says later on in Hebrews eleven six. If we don't live by faith, you might say, well, Brother Mark, that's for you. That's for the leadership. That's for the pastor. No, it's for you. It's for us. It's for the children of God. And if we don't live by faith, hey, don't get mad at me for saying it. You're not pleasing God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In fact, the Bible goes so far as to say that if it is not of faith, it's sin. How are you living your Christian life this morning? Would you characterize your life, your family's life in the faith? Would you characterize your ministry Maybe you've got a ministry here in church as being guided by faith and living by faith. We've got some great opportunities right now in our life. We've got time. We've got time to live by faith. Why don't we follow Rahab's example? Enter into the shadows. Walk where not everything is able to be grasped. 
and trust solely in that one who's leading us down the path. Let's bow for prayer. Listen, maybe you're here today as our eyes are closed, our heads are bowed. Maybe you're here today and uh, God has been challenging you to stop living your Christian life as a routine. Your Christian life is mechanical. There's no life to it. It's just a habit. Maybe he wants you to step out by faith. Maybe you're here and and your faith has led you to a crossroad. You're having to make a decision. And you're facing kind of a personal crisis over this decision. You know what? Maybe God wants you to surrender completely your life over to Him. Just let it go. Maybe you're here and your faith has begun to affect the lives of your loved ones and it's causing some stir. God wants you to stop holding on to them so tightly. He wants you to release them over into His hands. And maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. You don't know what it is to live a life of faith. But you feel God drawing you in. You feel the Spirit speaking to you. Why don't you come? Why don't you come and surrender your life to Christ as Savior? Walking in the shadows. Not always a place we would prefer to walk but when God's out front and we're following his steps it's the, base, it's the best place to be Grab your hymnals, let's turn to 399. <clears throat> 399, I have decided to follow Jesus. <clears throat> I have decided to follow
you get something? Amen. Some good thoughts there. You know, I was thinking about living by faith, and you think of it as a path, uh, as it was alluded to this morning. When you're young in the Lord, and you're looking forward, and you've never done so many of these things that you're looking at that other Christians have done, um, that's probably the scary part about faith is the unknown. But then you get way down the road, and you've been saved for decades, and God asks you to do something, and you go, didn't we try that before? <laughs> and the faith is doing it when maybe you've had some bad experiences, or at least experiences you didn't enjoy. How about this one? Not just what you're wrestling with, but people around you. You know, as we get older, we might think we're immune to peer pressure because people only talk about it with kids, but we're all subject to peer pressure. The peers are just different. It could be family. It could be co-workers. It could be other believers, whatever the case may be. But it takes getting your eyes on the Lord and your eyes off of self and others and walking in the shadows. Amen. Good thought. Amen. You know, maybe for some of you this week, it's going to be, we've talked about it. Not even handing out a track, but leaving some tracks around. Others handing them out. Others stopping and talking to somebody. I don't know what it is. But um, he's right. If we're not willing to live by faith and step out, then our life will sort of grind down into a rut. And we'll go through the motions. And you know what? I'm getting to the age in life where I realize life's too short to just go through the emotions. Amen? James said it a long time ago, but as you get older, you start believing it. What is your life? It is as a what? Pierce for a little while and then vanishes away. So let's walk with him. Amen? I've said to you before, I don't want to get to heaven and see a bunch of, a big pile of unclaimed blessings and find out those are the things that God wanted to give me if I would have, A, prayed for them, but I didn't ask or had the faith to claim them when they were my own. All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for this story. And Lord, there's so much in that book. I was just reminded of that this morning. So many of these actual accounts of things that you did, your people, how it affected them and how you gave the victory. Father, help us to be on the side of victory this morning by walking by faith. Father, again, we do pray for that one without Christ, whether here in the building or looking online, live stream. Father, speak to their hearts, Lord, that they might step out in faith and turn their back on man-made religion and any foolish thoughts about their own goodness and worthiness before you and receive the only hope of this world, the Savior of souls, the one who died, was buried, and rose again in their behalf, Jesus Christ as personal Savior, for it's in his name we pray, amen.